Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this Indian summer day in Colorado. We've been having warm temperatures, but the nights have been cool, and it has been affecting affecting the fish movement and game, and it's going to be even more as we cool down to more seasonal temperatures next week. Uh, we have a short show today because of college football. We're preempted the last hour, so we'll only be on 9 to 10, but we will we will be back to our full 9 to 11 next week, and uh, we'll have another full show for you. But let's get right to the phones today and get started since we have a, a short show. Joining us, he's uh, a was a frequent fill-in host before COVID kicked us out of the studio. He's always been a frequent contributor. He's with Tightline Outdoors, uh, Will Dykstra. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Terry. How are you th- today? Doing well. Good to talk to you. We haven't talked for a while. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, you're right. This COVID thing kind of, you know, I was a frequent uh, fill-in on the show and even, you know, was on every now and again. But, yeah, since COVID started, I've kind of been missing in action, so... Well, part of that is Nate kind of hogs the airtime. We know that. So, you know, there's nothing well, we can do Well, you know, we got to get him his airtime. Got to get Nate his yeah. airtime for sure. I so. know. Hey, you know, your, your topic today says um, hunt, hunting for big fish. Approach going after fish like you're hunting. You know, you made your reputation not only as a very accomplished angler, multi-species angler, but as a, a really made it as somebody who understands the top-of-the-line predator, the big fish, the big pike the big walleye, the big trout, the muskie. Um, so I just can't pull into a spot where I'm catching a bunch of 10-inchers and wait for the big one to hit? Is that what you're telling me? You know, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. And, and you know, it's it's interesting. You, you, you kind of hit it on the head there with how you how you led into that. You know, I over the course of my lifetime, getting a chance to target some of these uh, top-of-the-line predators, especially something like a muskie and big northerns, um, big lake trout, stuff like that, and, you know, here recently, I've actually spent a lot of time chasing walleye this year on the front range. And this past week, it, it really got me thinking about, you know, between going between trout, pike, and walleye and, you know, trying to figure out the similarities of what we're doing. And, you know, when you're, it's one thing if you want to go out and catch fish, you know, and, and obviously, you know, staying in your high percentage areas um, to catch, you know, lots of fish is, is a great way to go about it. But if you're looking to really target a specific size of fish or even, you know, a particular species, you know, the progression of an angler or a hunter for that matter is first you want to catch fish. First you want to harvest something. Uh, then you want to harvest something big or catch something big. Then you want to catch or harvest what you're after, how you want to do it. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, using your strengths as an angler, um, for one, but also, you know, looking at these fish movements and figuring out what's bringing these fish here and what's, um, you know, how to basically target these big fish. You know, it's interesting you brought up targeting, you know, where there's a bunch of little fish and the, the, the chance of actually catching a big fish there goes down. And I'd say, you know, most oftentimes that's correct, but I will say I've had kind of an anomaly this last, I'd say two weeks or so at Cherry Creek. Um, you know, we've caught some big fish, you know, some fish pushing that 27, 28 inches, uh, big walleyes. And, you know, the, the young of the year uh, stocked fry that were stocked, those fish are about six, seven, eight inches right now. And I was getting ready to pull up 
um, from a spot because we just caught three little ones, three little bitty walleyes. And uh, the next cast, my, my, my guest on the boat that day, hooked up and it was a much bigger fish and it turned out to be you know a fish pushing that 27 inch mark and it actually spit up a seven or eight inch walleye so yeah well you know it's something you know that that i look at and i thought to myself well normally i used to pull up when i you know if we caught little bitty walleyes i would be gone but those fish were actually i I don't want to say that those walleyes are targeting other walleyes to eat i'm guessing that they're just those little walleyes are frenzying up with eat, eating the shad, and they just happen to be innocent bystanders of the 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 big walleyes coming in and crashing the shad too. But it's interesting that you brought that up. Well, you know what I think happens. And of course, I was being facetious, but right. typically, typically throughout the year, big fish have different habits than little fish. You know, and and there's a couple Absolutely. reasons. One is those big fish got big by having different habits and eating at different times and in different ways and not being as exposed to anglers. Uh, And number two is what you just brought up is that big fish eat little fish, even their own kind. But there are a couple times of the year and when that they do intermingle more, obviously in spring during spawn or if there are spring spawning fish, some fish spawn in the fall, but also, also um, in the fall when we get gathering of certain bait fish, or certain types of water conditions that concentrates the fish, the big fish eat what's available. So how do you go about it on a regular basis? What, what kind of decisions do you make ahead of time, and how do you approach it, Will? Well, you know, so there's a couple things that I really like to do and I like to look at. You know, when I'm approaching, you know, whether it's myself fishing or whether it's, you know, a, a customer or, or a guest that I have on the boat, you know, and, and, you know, figuring out what they want to do for the day. And, you know, me personally, like I, if I'm fishing my, for myself, you know, I, I, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I've caught a lot of fish. So I'd really like to target narrowing down catching big fish. You know, we get a lot of people that book trips to tight line specifically to catch big fish. They want to get over the hump. So, you know, so what I do is I, as I first look at like my lure choice. So when I'm talking about, if I want, if I want to spinny right now, I could guarantee you that we're going to catch 15 to 20, 25 northern pike that are 18 to 26 inches if we throw a four to six inch jerk bait um they're stacked up in the weeds right now and we can absolutely catch them now if you want to catch a big fish which is what we're getting at with hunting the fish you want to hunt you're going to have to be okay with sacrificing bites for you know that one big bite so you know this time of year what i'll do you know we'll use spinny spinny pike for an example is instead of hanging out in that, you know, four to, we'll say, 10, 12 feet of water where the majority of the population of the pike are right now, the problem is most of those fish are small. And then you also talk about these bigger fish that might be in there. They don't want to compete with those other fish, so they're going to slide out. They're feeding on perch primarily. You know, they're still eating rainbows, but for the most part, they're feeding on perch. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to up the size of my bait. So, you know, right now, if I wanted to just go up to target a, a trophy class fish, 36 to, you know, uh, uh, up and over 40 inches, is I'm going to find my areas that I want to target these fish out. We're looking at deeper water, you know, I say more than 12 feet deep for the most part. There's a very short time of year where those big fish in the fall tuck in super shallow. But I'm going to throw, you know, get rid of the idea of throwing the high percentage bait, that four to six inch suspending jerk bait, and I'm going to, put something big on you know we always joke like big lures catch big fish and that's absolutely the case when you're talking about targeting 
specifically targeting large fish. So what I'll do is I'll put on a, a eight to twelve inch, and I know it sounds silly. You know, some people look at the baits that we throw, and they're like, "Man, that's the same size as the fish that I catch." But the reality is, is you need to be okay with sacrificing the bites in order to catch that big, in order to have a shot at that big fish. So, like I said, I'm going to throw a big, large eight to twelve inch size bait. Big swim baits right now are a great option because they're slow. They're you know the water temperatures are starting to cool down, and these fish are going to you know they're not going to be necessarily ramped up as much as they would be midsummer chasing buzz baits. So. I'm going to slow things down with something that's very realistic and something that I can mix up my retrieves with, you know, so something like a slow sinking, uh, soft plastic swim bait. I, I've over the last couple of years have really, really, um, had great success throwing the Savage Gear Pulse Tail, uh, line through Pulse Tail Trout. It's got kind of a, a slow, um, subtle action, if you will, but it, it looks just like a fish and it swims just like a baby rainbow cruising through the water. But I also can basically kill it and let it fall and it falls really natural. And again, that's that pausing, you know, when you're talking about swim baits, that's kind of the pause that I'm working with that. Now, the other thing I want to point out for those of you that are targeting fish out of a boat, you know, something that, that I've really started to focus on, and it's something I did for a long time, musky fishing, is, you know, these fish, these big fish are in an area for a reason. So a lot of times what I'll do, and a technique that I'll do, is, is there's, a, there's a bait category called gliders. And basically it's a big giant bait that glides back and forth. It, it can either be twitched really fast and basically walk the dog subsurface or it could be real slow and it'll literally swim two feet one direction and then hit its hinge and then two feet the other direction and i don't catch a ton of fish on that bait terry i i uh, use that bait as kind of a search bait and what i'll do is with the combination of using electronics or you know if you don't have electronics make sure you have some kind of marker buoy or something you can use to mark a spot where you mark a big fish and there's a reason that fish is there. So I'll go through with a bait that I not necessarily have intentions of catching them on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to catch a big fish on a glide bait. Some of our biggest pike in the fall have come on glide baits. But that glide bait is a great search bait. And it's actually great for using not just for northern pike. It's great for, um, believe it or not, big walleye show up on them. Big lake trout and big largemouth bass absolutely love just coming and checking them out. And, again, it gives you an idea of where fish are and, then I, and, you know, this is where we go back to that idea of hunting. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up my tree stand, you know, for lack of better terms, up on that spot. And I'm going to hang out on that spot until I know that that fish is going to be feeding. So we'll throw some more technology into it. I'm going to really pay attention to my, my salooner tables and, you know, focus on what the moon's doing and fishing during these minor and major periods. And, again, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of paying attention to that because your biggest fish – are going to be active at those times. So use a some kind of search bait, whether it's a big giant jerk bait, like I said, I prefer a glider for a number of different fish. Um, but for the most part, using that glider to mark fish, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to basically try to come back at the opportune times of the day to target that fish. And then I'll slow things down with something like a, a big a big giant swim bait or a big uh, suspending jerk bait that I can fish really slow, keep it in the strike zone, and more often than not have a chance at, at, at getting that fish to, to make a mistake. Because these big fish got big for a reason. They're not dumb. I mean, they're still fish. But um, by all means, you know, slowing your presentation down once you locate a fish. And I guess I'll throw in there too, and I know this is something you like doing, is I love throwing big 
uh, weightless soft plastics, <coughs> excuse me, for, for targeting especially big pike. You know, you're talking about something like a big fluke or a big reaper tail. And, again, it's something that can yeah. work super slow and uh, basically hunt these big fish down. Well, a couple of things. First of all, you're right. I love those big soft plastics. I've used them not only in Colorado but Canada and Minnesota. And some of the biggest pike I've caught have come on those in some of the worst places to fish, but I could work those through that. One thing I think we should make a point, and there's a couple points I want to make with you, but when you're throwing a giant swim bait like that or another big lure in that 12, 10, 12, 15-inch range, don't try to do it with light spinning gear. You really have to have the right gear to get that lure to perform, don't you? You know, you do, and actually, it, it's it's funny you bring that up, Terry. It's been kind of a hot topic on a handful of these uh, social media outlets is, is gearing up for these fish. You know, whether it's this summer was an insane year for catching tiger muskies in, in Colorado, and, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that love catching big fish, and, you know, they're just getting into it. And sometimes all you have is a spinning rod, um, but making sure not just for the sake of being geared up so you can be successful, but being geared up so you can also have the best um, of the fish, the, the fish's interest in mind. So you can hard, catch that fish in a, uh, you know, in an adequate amount of time, not wear it out. You know, I've had times where we've caught some really big fish on light tackle up there at spinning, you know, while we're trout fishing. And sometimes it's hard. It's really hard to get those pike to release. Well, especially midsummer, if you catch a, a catch a big fish on, on light tackle, it's really difficult sometimes to get those fish to release because you really exhaust them out. But as far as adequate tackle to make sure that you can work the bait properly and be successful catching that fish, you know, gear up, you know, uh, something a seven and a half, seven to seven and a half foot, (coughs) excuse me, seven to seven and a half foot uh, medium heavy at a minimum, but heavy to extra heavy action rod is going to put a lot of that success on your side. Right, and typically you're going to be using a bait casting, although you can get heavy-duty spinning reels and rods. They're not as common, but we use them in saltwater all the time. But And with today's braid, there's no reason that you should be out there with, you know, 15-pound test or anything. Well, how, what typical line do you put on when you're chasing these fish? You know, it's going to sound like total overkill to a lot of people, but, you know, when we're talking about musky fishing or big big pike fishing and even some of this lake trout stuff we're doing with big baits is i'm not gonna i typically try not to use anything especially when you're talking about a bait casting rod anything less than 50 pound braid and i know it sounds silly but i love having braid that's heavy enough to drive the hooks home and again that braid doesn't stretch so when you're talking about you know monofilament and even some fluorocarbons like their brake strength is is actually more than what it says on the package because it stretches well braid you have a lot less room for error so i love gearing up and, and honestly i'm using 65 to 80 pound braid on a lot of these big baits and uh you know then we'll tie some kind of heavy floral leader you know 25 to 30 pound floral leader um to the bait <clears throat> to make sure that you're not um still not getting bit off especially those toothy critters i mean now I, I will say i've had pike bite through 120 pound fluorocarbon so if they're going to bite it off, they're going to bite it off. That's why I don't go up to that super heavy uh, fluorocarbon or even 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 some of the steel stuff because it changes the action of the bait. But, again, if you're fishing these slower methodical baits, subtle baits, you typically don't get bit off because the fish don't miss them very often. They're usually going to eat them, you know, try to eat them head first or right in the middle of the bait and T-bone it. So, um, but, yeah, as far as, as far as line goes, I'm using 
on, on a spinning rod, I'll use, you know, 25 to 40 pound braid. But if we're talking a bait caster, I'm minimum 50, but typically 65 to 80 pound cast. All right, we are actually out of time, but I've got extra time to make up the next segment. So I'm going to ask you right now, real quick, we talked about hunting big fish, but it's going to be nice today and tomorrow. The Broncos don't play. If I want, somebody wants to go fishing and either catch big fish or at least have a reasonable chance of just catching fish, where should they go? You know, right now, spinny, the water levels at spinny, I'm sure you guys have seen it, and the donates talked about it, is they pulled the docks at spinny. Uh, so, you know, launching your boat out there is tough right now, but the fishing is still great. There's still a ton of big trout shallow, and we're talking big trout. These fish are all 22 to 26 inches. I mean, you're still hunting big fish, um, throwing, you know, spoons and soft plastics, you know, tube jigs, spoons, and jerk baits have been absolutely phenomenal up there at Spinney. And then our walleye bite on the front range, especially at Cherry Creek, has been exceptional on jig and wraps and blade baits. All right, my friend, we have to run. But thank you, as always, for joining us. We need to get you on more often, my friend. Don't be such a stranger. Absolutely, Terry. Thanks for having me. And uh, you guys stay safe and look forward to seeing you again. All right, Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. We're going to be joined by uh, Casey from Jack's Outdoors, and we're going to talk fly fishing and some fly fishing for a fish that uh, is the perfect time of the year to be chasing. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. (laughs) Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, Speaking of that, let's go right to the phones. Joining us from the newest Jack's, in uh, Loveland, Colorado, from the fishing department is Casey Prather. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Terry. How are we doing? We're doing well, and we're going to talk. So I know we're going to talk some fly fishing and some specific fly fishing as we get into it. But very first off, why don't you tell people you're at the newest Jack's location? Tell them where that store is located. Yeah, we're located at the corner of Eisenhower um, and uh, West Loveland. Uh, we're kind of, all the way on the west. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, just as you're heading out of town up to Estes. Exactly. Right off the highway. Yep. It uh, used to be a Kmart there, but a great store. I've been in it. You guys have... You have both your uh, your outdoor gear store and your other store there. So you have the home and and uh, ranch, and you have the outdoor gear there. So it's a great big store. You can get anything you want. But we're going to talk some fishing. You're in the fishing department there, and uh, your love is really fly fishing. I want to get to you about fly fishing for kokanee salmon. But before we do that, uh, what are you hearing going around the state just fly fishing in general? Yeah, you know, now that uh, the nighttime temps have cooled down the river, uh, fishing seems to be picking up again. Um, You know, things are, we had a pretty dry, warm end of the summer, and so our rivers are are still in the effects of it, you know, a little bit low. uh, But if you stick with the major watersheds, you know, there's plenty of water, and the fishing's really starting to pick up. Yeah, I've heard the Arkansas is doing well. What have you heard? Arkansas has been really good. Uh, you know, still some remnants of uh, terrestrials, your hoppers, ants, and beetles. Um, but this time of year, everything kind of transitions over to mayflies and midges. And, uh, yeah, we're starting to see a lot of blue-winged olives coming off in a lot of places. 
Any place close to the front range that you've heard of some pretty good action? Uh, you know, uh, right here just outside of Loveland, in between Loveland and Estes, we have a fantastic fishery, the Big Thompson River. And uh, the Big Thompson has had just about as good a flows as anywhere else in the state, and the fishing's been fantastic. Well, you know, ever since they reconstructed that road and the riverbed, the trout for a while were way up in the upper end of that river after the flood, but they've really done a great job of extending that habitat throughout the river now. And every report I get tells me it's fishing almost from top to bottom. And the Big Thompson offers a lot of public access too. Any particular presentations that have been very that have been good on the Big T? Um, you know, you can never go wrong with the nymph rig out here. And uh, you know, this time of year. Um, Oh, pheasant tails with a little bit of flash to them, micro mayflies, um, and then the one that you can never go wrong with in the Thompson is a pink San Juan worm. Oh, yeah. And then put some kind of uh, just a small fly along with it, right, a small, small nymph. It's a tremendous river. It's, it's such good fishing. You know, and it's, it's dam controlled, so the flows stay a little more, a little more consistent. But I want to talk to you specifically today, too, about a a fly fishing, it can be a conventional fishing opportunity too. The kokanee salmon are starting to bunch up on either the shores of the lakes where they've been put in or they're headed into the rivers. I heard last week that the salmon were headed up into the Gunnison out of Blue Mesa. And that's if it's not already happening at other lakes that have kokanee, it's going to be happening soon. And that offers, offers a tremendous opportunity for fly fishermen to experience something totally different, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it's it's just a really unique scenario, you know, where people are able to catch these fish that normally you'd only be able to catch, uh, you know, that were sea run or coming out of the Great Lakes. Yeah, and then there are, there are sockeye salmon that's landlocked in Colorado. Well, they're not, they're freshwater. They're not necessarily landlocked. They head into the rivers, and you get, they get the males change color and get this big kite, and they're acrobatic, and they're just so fun to catch it's just and they do you know a lot of people don't think you can catch them on a fly but they will hit a fly won't they oh absolutely yeah they readily will take flies and you know they're they're eating it i mean they're not eating it out of uh necessity to consume calories but um you know more so out of aggression but they're definitely eating so so when you go after kokanee salmon, what kind of flies and what kind of a setup do you use? Um, you know, for around here, I'm typically using a five or a six weight fly rod. Um, I prefer a nine foot fly rod. An eight and a half foot rod wouldn't be an issue. Um, floating lines, and I usually run, you know, uh, a four X or a three X leader. Um, you know, typically fluorocarbon, just so it's getting down. And, you know, with that 4X or 3X, you know, then you're not overplaying these fish to, to exhaustion. So, And what type of flies do you like to throw for them? You know, uh, predominantly throwing uh, a lot of egg and worm patterns. Uh, you know, a lot of pinks, uh, anything from real light kind of opaque pinks to, to very bright hot pinks. Um, Eggs and worms would be the big ones. Um, there's a lot of different egg spawn flies that are out there that are tied with a lot of flash. Um, other patterns like uh, the Jumbo John, 
um, or a purple Pat's rubber leg. Um, they're kind of designed more so specifically for steelhead, but they work very well in our rivers. Um, and then if the fish, when they're in the river, if they're getting really hot, um, you can swing uh, small woolly buggers. Uh, and I prefer the white woolly buggers. And, uh, you know, just kind of a down and across swing. And uh, if, if they're pretty amped up, they'll go after it. Absolutely. Oh, and what a fish once you get them on. They're acrobatic and they pull and they're so fun to catch. Have you heard? I've heard the Gunnison. I haven't heard. Have you heard of any of the other rivers where the salmon are starting or about to start? You know, um, I've heard, but I can't verify uh, that the blue there at Green Mountain, the inlet there, um, and then I would imagine, you know, they'll probably start getting into the plat as well here soon. Yeah, I would think so. In the Dream Stream, I stood in the Dream Stream one time out of the 11 mile and the, towards the mouth of the river, and the salmon were actually beating against my waders from my backside as they were hitting me going up into the river. What an experience. What if I've never fished, either fly fished at all or fly fished for, for um, salmon? If I come into Jack's, your location, can you get me outfitted? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a, a wide selection of uh, rods and reels. And then the thing that really appeals to the new anglers is a lot of the manufacturers are putting out combo setups. And, uh, you know, they're, they're great for the beginner because they're a lot more moderately priced. Um, you know, as most people know, you can, you can really get into spending a lot of money in the fly fishing gear. Um, but, you know, for 150 to 200 dollars you can get a rod a reel uh the reel is going to be set up with backing and line and a leader you know essentially if you have a couple of flies you know you could take that package and be on the water fishing in you know a matter of minutes now if i want to spend more do you have some of the high-end stuff too we do we do we offer some of the higher end stuff from reddington and then uh we also carry orvis uh, so, you know, we've got, you know, the recon rods that, that are in that $500 range, as well as their higher-end Helios stuff, too, um, that's going to be in that closer to 800 uh, on up range. Um, and then for reels, you know, we carry a full line from Ross, which is a local Colorado company. Um, we also carry reels from Lamson. Um, and then we've got some other stuff, too, in, you know, more moderate ranges uh, from a group called Stone Creek. And then we carry a little bit of the Reddington stuff as well. So you got a great selection. What about flies? Do you have many flies at Jack's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here at the, this new location, um, we, we've got around thirty-five to 40,000 flies. Um, we've got a very nice bin set up. Uh, two two big aisles uh, as well as two big pull-out drawers. Um, you know, honestly, everything from, you know, trout to warm water flies. Um, we even keep a small selection of uh, flat saltwater flies on hand just, just in case someone needs a couple uh, gotchas or crazy Charlies on their way to the Bahamas or whatnot. Yeah, I wish we were on our way to the Bahamas with COVID right now. Casey, we were out of time, but um, if people they can stop by any of the Jack's locations, they would have similar gear? 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, very knowledgeable staff in all of our fishing departments across all of the stores. So um, there's always someone that can help you with whatever particular needs you have in the fishing. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Casey. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Casey Prather from the Jacks, newest Jacks in Loveland. By the way, as far as fly fishing, kokanee, a lot of ways to chase kokanee salmon. I mean, some people snag them where it's allowed. I've fished them on conventional gear. It can be a blast. But fly fishing for kokanees is really a blast. I do have an episode that I, uh, I actually posted a link. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But I also posted a link on my Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, where we do exactly this, go after these kokanee with fly rods up in the Gunnison River, and it's just a trip. So take a look at that. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Chad Lachance is going to join us, and he's going to talk river fishing too. We go with that and so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Trying to get me to wake up this morning. You gotta start tapping your foot with this, don't you? You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us, he's a longtime contributor to this show and our very first person that ever did a fill-in host. If of the show, if COVID ever goes away and we can get back in the studio, he'll probably do it again. Chad Lachance from Fishful Thinker. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. And yes, sir, I would happily do that uh, with or without COVID. You let me know when. Yeah, isn't that been a crazy year? Boy, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> when, when we started talking about what I was going to talk about this this radio you know, show, I remember two weeks ago I talked about river stuff, right? And yeah. I was talking about the very traditional river fishing stuff that we've done for years with the big lures and da 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 da. Well, I'd been out antelope hunting for the last few days and got kind of away from fishing or whatever and got the freezer full of antelope now and decided I better go look at some rivers and went up and looked at the Fraser River, the Colorado River, and the Blue River. And what I ran into was very abnormal conditions for what I'm used to seeing in October. Normally, I would expect to be able to go up there and just waylay fish one after the other. And a couple things this year were distinctly different. I haven't spent a lot of time on the rivers until now, uh, or at least those rivers this year. Um, But I think it's worth the listeners hearing some of this if they're thinking of going doing some fall fishing. Because what I found is that the fly fishing up there was still really all about little tiny bugs and stuff. The streamer bite was not happening like I would expect it to happen, for one, at all in any of the rivers. They were, the, the deal was still the little nymphs and little midges and, and, uh, and stuff like that going on, which was a little bit of a surprise for October. And I'm not sure that I can tell you why. The other thing is all the rivers were very low. Uh, I have some video of when we were standing in the same spot in the Colorado River this time last year, and the water's like 18 inches down on the rock from where it was last year. So there's water's quite a bit lower, and that may affect it as well. So my normal trips with the big plugs uh, were not doing very well because with the low water, you've also got a lot of vegetation, the elodea grass and stuff that grows in the river, and it just wasn't as good. And so we had to be really careful about presentations more than normal for this time of year to get bites with both a fly rod or a spinning rod. And then on top of it, the other thing I noticed heavily is even in most remote, the most remote areas I know on the Colorado River, the ones that are hardest to get to or the hardest access points to get to, 
they have been absolutely waylaid with foot traffic. The trails and stuff they're worn into there are huge, and that tells me the fish have got a stupid amount of fishing pressure all summer, and you could tell that. And I think that's also part of the reason that the that the bigger baits uh, were not doing as well as I would expect them to do, and, and the fish were very gun-shy. They'd come and look at everything, but it was hard to get them to bite. So I felt like if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a listener to the show and I'm planning on going – you know, up into the river right now, I'm going to treat it more like late summer fishing more than I am fall fishing, at least for a little bit longer. And, uh, and maybe when the temperatures really drop, we'll get the, we'll get the, the real hyperphagia bite going on and the, and the brown's really going. They were colored up and looked great, uh, but a lot of them had hook marks in them. A lot of them had, had damage to their, their gill flaps and their jaws. They've been, the fish have definitely been beat up this summer up there more than I've ever seen. So, they're still catchable, and it's still beautiful up there, and there's still tons of wildlife. But understand that, at least from my standpoint, the last few days, the fishing was considerably more technical and difficult than I would have expected for this time of year. Well, we've we've had a lot of people join us in the outdoors this year that normally would be flying off to Hawaii or going to the beach somewhere or Europe, and they can't do that or haven't been able to do that. So they've turned to outdoors in Colorado, some of them just hiking, some of them, you know, on the trails, some of them camping, but a lot of them fishing and hunting. And um, we we really welcome that. We want to recruit these people into the Absolutely. outdoors and grow and grow grow the participation because that what that does is it provides revenue to maintain the resources. But it's going to change, and it's going to be um, parks and wildlife is going to have to take hard look on developing new resources fairly quickly. And is the whole state and all of us are going to have to be really great stewards of what is out there already so we can keep enjoying it. Uh, Chad, when you were out on the rivers, did you see any sign? Um, you know, we had a really good hopper bite this year, both hopper dropper and hopper dry. And when I was up uh, by Rocky Mountain National Park a few weeks ago, I was able to catch a number of browns on a hopper dropper. Now, most of them came on the dropper, like the small fly, like you were saying. But I'm a big right. believer this time of the year that instead of an indicator, if I can use a big dry Sometimes it just doesn't spook them as much and gives me a few, another chance to catch them. Any sign of that? Absolutely. And um, and that's exactly what I would, you know, when I say late summertime techniques, that's it, right? The hopper dropper for me, that's the that's the one. I'm not a pure nymper. If I can avoid it, I don't want a bobber on my fly rod. So I'd rather have a hopper, uh, an actual hopper fly of some sort. That's me. But what I found right now is that you get a lot of looks at that hopper, but you don't get a lot of bites. Same thing with, the, with a lot of the, the jigs and stuff I threw. Lots of follows, lots of looks, but hard to get them to actually commit to biting stuff. And the little tiny nymphs is just easier to trick fish with. At the end of the day, if they can see it, they're going to bite that thing. You know, the problem with the little nymphs is getting fish to locate it, and that's, I think, was, was – but it's still the easiest way to trick them because they can't. I just don't think they can discern what it is. If it's drifting correctly, it's it's too small to be dangerous, you know. And um, and and don't get me wrong, I did catch some on the on the Berkeley hit stick. I did catch some on some unscented plastics on jigs. Um, did catch some on on Troy Coburn's little Marabou jigs, but uh, but they were tricky. So and to your point about the people in the outdoors, uh, I'm a, I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining. I'm very very happy we have a bunch of people in the outdoors. It's more a point of those of us that have been doing it for years might need to think a little bit. We're fishing with more pressure around us, so it means we need to be better as anglers to continue our catching level, which one of the things that helped me a lot was being very, very, very uh, technical with my casts. So I was putting baits in specific spots, hard-to-get-to spots, things like that. Those ones would get bit. 
if you fish the sucker holes, you're going to get a lot of follows and all the easy drifts where, where those fish were gun shy. But if you really made a, a, a really strong, accurate cast to some place where most guys aren't getting to, you could still get bites. And that, the Colorado River opened itself up well for that, especially with the spinning rod, because of the width of the river. You don't have to wade out in the middle of it. You can throw all the way across it. With, you know, I use a little 8-pound X9 braid, and I can throw all the way across the river very easily. And that was how I generated a lot of my bites. So the extra people in the outdoors are a blessing in some ways, no question about that. Certainly from being able to finance, you know, finance the resources, fund the resources. One thing I'm hoping CPW does going forward is expanding so it's not just hunters and fishermen. We need to get some of the paddleboarders and hikers and everybody else involved with, with getting these new resources online available for Colorado. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, were you walk wading most of this trip? I mean, did you do any drifting, or was it all walk wade? No, no, just just walk. And I was just checking areas, so it was. I didn't spend you know four hours in any one spot. I, I bounced around, covered a lot of terrain, and uh, and you know I know a lot of access points and a lot of stuff. So I basically looked at everything from Pump House to Granby on the Colorado River. And looked at uh, lower sections of the blue, not the upper sections. I didn't go up to the Silverthorn. And then also the Fraser River, Tabernash on in, you know, from there. And all of those were very similar. Low water, a little bit of stain in the water, very low water, a little bit of stain in the water, and just really gun-shy fish. And, and still plenty of fish. The, the numbers of fish are there. You're going to see a lot of fish. You know, that hopper-dropper deal, you're going to get a lot of fish come up and look at it. Uh, they just weren't, weren't super committed to wanting to bite it. So, um to me, that's typically a sign of fish that have been fished hard, you know, where they're just afraid to bite stuff because they know it's sharp, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love I love hopper dropper. It's one of my favorite ways to fish. Like you said, you replace the indicator with an actual fly that gives you another chance for a bite. And you uh, you also you, you all you also just get I can see that hopper where I if I if I'm throwing another small dry out there. Sometimes on my old eyesight, I can't see it, so it makes it much easier for me to fish. Chad, we got about a minute or two left. Before we go, um, other than the streams, what have you heard? Any other fishing? If somebody wants, you know, Broncos don't play till Monday. Somebody wants to get out today or tomorrow, maybe on the front range, where would they go? Well, if I'm a Denver-based guy, I'm considering going to Lake John right now of all the crazy things. And, uh, and the reason I say that is that thing is kicking out some huge rainbows right now, lots of them. And so, you know, if I'm in Denver, I can get there because you can go up Highway 40. The problem from NOCO is it's hard to get there. Between all the fires, you can't get around there. you got to go to Denver to get there or all the way to Rollins or whatever. So, uh, But I know that the North Park Lakes are coming around really good right now, and I'm probably going up there if I can, if I'm, if I'm a Denver-based angler for sure. And I, and I don't want to write off places like the Colorado. I think if we get a good, hard, cold snap, that will get some of the people off the river and uh, and the fish will definitely turn on a little bit better where they'll be more aggressive as well. But at the end of the day, if you're talking about today or tomorrow, I'm probably going up to North Park, and I'm probably going to Lake John, and I'm probably going to target trophy-sized rainbows in the 3- to 10-pound range. That's not a bad way to spend a day fishing, is it? So No, Chad, sir. People... A small boat trolling back and forth, that'd be a blast. If people want to get a hold of you, Chad, how do they find you? Uh, Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. We'd love people checking in our YouTube channel. Uh, full episodes, a lot of short videos, all kind of stuff there. So that'd be great. And uh, we're done guiding basically for the year. So we'll start booking for spring as soon as our permits are done. But, yeah, in the meantime, social media at Fishful Thinker and uh, Altitude and World Fishing Network Saturday mornings. All right, my friend, we'll look forward to your shows, and we'll have you on again soon. Thanks for joining us. 
Thanks, Terry. You guys have a great day. You bet. Chad Lachance. We'll take a quick time out, and we come back. We'll uh, have a few, little more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, uh, multiple locations, two in Loveland now, Fort Collins, Lafayette, Broomfield, Cheyenne. You know, you hear them on this show. Uh, stop by and check one out. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, you'll love what you'll find there. We're going to wrap up today's show. i got a few things I want to cover yet, but... Um, short show today. We have college football coming up top of the hour. We'll be back to our full two hours uh, next week. But don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Um, a lot of the information that maybe didn't get on the show today, we'll post on Facebook. And a lot of the interviews or segments we did today are pretty in, uh, ones that if you missed, you want to hear. I'll make sure we get links to those up on our Facebook page, too, which is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And, you know, we talked about kokanee fishing. By the way, we got a report that the, not only at the Gunnison, but the kokanee are starting to move into the Dream Stream. What a great uh, opportunity that is, fly fishing for those kokanee. And while you're doing it, you're going to catch some trout. And so I, I'll put that um, segment we did on fly fishing for the kokanee up on our YouTube, uh, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But there's also a, uh, a, a lot of the episodes we talk on. Kokanee, we've got on our our YouTube channel, uh, The Best of Fishing. We've got up just fishing with Kokanee, and I think I said it wrong just a minute ago. We're going to put that up on our Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, that segment. But on the YouTube channel, there is a, um, a, a show up there just about that, and you'll just learn all about it and see how much fun it is. And I posted a link to that on our Facebook is what I was going to say on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Some other fishing I would be thinking about if I was you guys right now, um, with the weather change coming up next week, a lot of the fishing is going to take up. Right now, uh, Chad mentioned Lake John. It is on fire for big fish. It is just going well. Lake Granby, the lake trout bite is doing well. You catch numbers. Not as many big fish this time of the year, but these are the time when you can get those 30, 40 fish days and fish from 15 to 22 inches and take some of them home. The front range walleyes all the way up and down the front range from Pueblo up through Boyd, you're going to see that bite get better and better. And it's going to turn from uh, more into a more and more into a spooning, jigging, wrap type bite, and more of the big fish will start to mingle with the small fish. You may hit a time when these lakes turn over, and it'll spread those fish. Some of them probably have already. Some of them are very late to turn over. Pueblo had a huge thermocline this year, and we're going to try to keep track of that. So we're going to try to bring you all this information in the next few weeks. But you got a couple days of really nice weather. Get out and enjoy them this weekend. And it's going to be seasonal next week, but it's going to be 60s and 70s. Perfect time with these cold nights. The fish are going to turn on. The rivers will start fishing better. The lakes look better. We've got a lot of hunting going on, so there isn't as many people out in the water. It's just a great, great, great time to get out there. As I said, um, we'll, we're a short show. We're going to wrap it up here, and there'll be college football at the top of the hour. But join us this week and every week from 9 to 11 for all your favorite outdoor activities, fishing, hunting, camping, uh, hiking. Uh, all state parks is usually on for two full segments. We just cover the entire realm of outdoor activities and the fun you can have in the outdoors. I want to thank Karen, for putting this show together and for making me sound like I almost know what I'm talking about. And Kyle back in the studios in Denver for uh, keeping it going. And between the two of them, the communication so that I'm able to broadcast from up here in Fort Collins and keep the show going. So thank you guys and everybody during these periods of time that we've been able to keep the show on the air. 
We're going to um, say goodbye. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and football on 104.3 The Fan.